Good morning, church. How about Trevor, right? I had a, I had a business person tell me many years ago that, uh, uh, that if uh, you're a preacher who can get a job doing something else, you're probably a pretty good preacher, but if preaching's all you can do, you're probably not a very good preacher. So I think Trevor could get a job as a tour guide, right? He's done amazing. We give Trevor a hand on that. And uh, our incredible uh, production group that went out and filmed that video. And when we planned out the series, I said, hey, I'm taking Lake Murray, okay? I mean, that's, you know, I love to fish and I, I got a little bit of expertise on fishing, so that's my, my sweet spot. We've been on this uh, sermon series. We've gone through different parts of Scripture. We've been in the Old Testament, and today we're moving into the New Testament, a trip to the Sea of Galilee where Jesus is going to cast a call to men who are casting their nets for fish. He's going to call them to leave behind their nets and follow him and begin to fish for people. So all of you people that love to fish in the room, you're really going to enjoy this, and I'm going to try to make it uh, uh, palatable for those who aren't into fishing. But uh, I just got back from Wyoming a couple weeks ago, and I went out there and did a little trout fishing. And when I got back, uh, someone had left this little bucket on my desk, and it's full of uh, swim baits, right? And, and it's totally anonymous, and I've been looking through them. And there's one here that uh, I think will work really well on, on the Saluda River. It's a little trout swim bait. And uh, the stripers in the Saluda River really like trout uh, for their Bay. But there was a card in it that was, again, anonymous, and it said, uh, thank you for being a fisher of men. And I thought, well, okay, this is a good setup for the sermon on, on Jesus calling uh, disciples to fish for people. And so whoever gave this to me, thank you. If you're here in the room today, I really appreciate it, or you're watching online. But uh, we are all called by Jesus to go and fish for people. We find Jesus on a road trip. He's traveling from Judea to the Sea of Galilee. It's a four-day journey, 70 miles of walking, but he's on a mission. He's on a purpose. And this one day is going to change the life of four people. Now, that are going to change the life of millions of people, right? That's how Jesus rolls, right? He reaches one person, and that one person reaches millions. So if you're able to stand, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? I'm going to be reading from two passages, but for right now, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. They fished for a living. Now, if you would, take whatever you do and put that in there, right? They built houses for a living. They sold real estate for a living. They uh, repaired vehicles for a living. They took care of people for a living. Jesus called out to them, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. The word of God for the people of God. Father God, I, I pray that you would take these words, this account of Jesus calling people to leave what they did for a living and begin to reach people with the love of God that would change their lives forever. 
And Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would move across all those listening, whether online or in this room. And Father God, I know that today you're going to be issuing an invitation, an invite to follow you into a a world that's new and different, a journey, an excitement, a road trip with Jesus that will change many, many lives. So Lord, help us to hear your words today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. You may be seated. Now they fished for a living. Uh, It was an honorable and good profession. And Jesus calls Simon from something good to something great. Nothing wrong with fishing for a living. And Jesus says, but I'm gonna call you from something good to something great. Sometimes God calls us to something different so he can do something new. You know, God called Lynn and I to leave a good work in Conway 27 years ago to come do a great work in Lexington. I mean, we loved the good work we were doing in Conway, and you know, it was Lynn's hometown, and you know, it was a, a church that we could take care of. It had some potential to grow. It had grown some, uh, but it had great fishing and great hunting and great golf. You know, it was a good place to be. Uh, Lynn was happy, very happy there because she was with her family. But uh, never forget a conversation on the, on the steps of the church one morning when Albert Martin, who was a very successful business person who had grown up in that church, had left and worked for Sunoco and then had started his own company and did, you know, did really, really well. And he said to me, he said, Jeff, he says, I know you love it here and uh, you're doing good work here. People love you. Things are going good here at Union, but God's got bigger fish for you to catch. He's got bigger fish for you to fry. And began to put in my heart this idea that perhaps God was calling us to come somewhere else. Didn't know where that somewhere else was, but he called us from something good to something great. You know, God does not take something away without the intention of replacing it with something much better. If God takes away something you never expected to lose, he can replace it with something you never expected to have. That's how our God rolls. He moves in mighty ways. Now, fishing for people is a metaphor, right? And it's, it's, it's for these fishermen who would have understood exactly what Jesus was talking about. And I could preach long sermons on fishing. And some of you in the room, and I saw a few of you already this morning, you know, you're really into fishing. And th- this is right up your alley. But I started thinking, what, what if Jesus had called four engineers? My son's an engineer. So I called Aaron. I said, Aaron, you know, help me understand a metaphor that if these four people had been engineers, what would Jesus have said to them? And he said, uh, you know, he might have said, follow me and I will use you to design a new way to reach people for the kingdom of God. What about if Jesus had called four builders? He might have said, follow me and I will use you to make a way for people to discover how to build their lives on a solid rock foundation. Or if they've been four stay-at-home moms, Jesus might have said, come follow me and you'll reach your children and the children of your neighborhood for me. Or if they've been four doctors or nurses, Jesus might have said, come follow me and you will heal broken hearts and you will save souls. Jesus is calling everyone in this room today, everyone listening online today to follow him. I, I have no question about that. You're here to be called by God to do something for God. No matter your profession, no matter your skill level, no matter your talents, God is calling you and me to do something. Now, what does it mean to fish for people? Now, 
Fishing for people is fishing for seekers. Now, what does that mean? You know, Jesus doesn't say, I want you to go hunt for people. He says, I want you to go fish for people. And, and if you know anything about fishing, and what little bit I know about fishing, is you want to find fish that are hungry. Fish that are seeking to be fed. In fact, when I was out in Wyoming and we're fishing with the guide, uh, he, what he would do, and if you, you fly fish, you know this, is he would take back the rocks under the water and see what kind of uh, larva was there, which meant what kind of flies were getting ready to hatch because those fish were hungry for what those was getting ready to hatch. And so Jesus is saying, I want you to go reach hungry people. I want you to go reach people who are seeking me. And, and, and he will bring you to those people. He will show you. You don't, have to, you don't have to go hunt for those people. You just ask God to lead you, and he will lead you to the people that he is trying or wanting to reach. You know, fishing for people is telling people about Jesus. It's, it's, uh, you don't have to be a scholar. These are four uneducated, unskilled fishermen, right? And it takes a fisherman to know that, right? They didn't know anything about winning souls. They didn't know anything about teaching theology. They didn't know any of that stuff. They were just talking about Jesus, right? Now, the word catch here literally means to capture alive. Jesus said, I want you to go fish for people and capture them alive. You see, in Simon's fishing, the fishing would be caught alive, but they would die, right? So you could eat them, right? But in this new work, Jesus is calling Simon to go catch spiritually dead people who would come alive in Jesus Christ. And, and, and the apostle uh, Paul described it this way in Ephesians 2 from the message. He said, he wrote, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. Now, there's some people in the room today that you're letting the world tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat, right? It's a wonder that God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, in immense mercy and in incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. That's exactly what Jesus is calling Simon to do. Go reach people who are dead in their sins and tell them the good news of, of, of my love and that I can change their lives. You, you, God is calling you and me to go share with people that are struggling in life that God has got a better plan for their lives. Now, if you look at the passage here, Simon and, 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 and Andrew and James and John, they left their nets and immediately followed Jesus. Immediately they, they follow him. So I want to say to you this morning, the response was immediate, but the transformation was incremental. They didn't become great soul winners overnight. It was a struggle for them, especially Simon. Um, it's, it's a struggle to, 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 to learn to, to be the person that God wants you to be. You know, again, I love fly fishing. I'm not a great fly fisherman. You know, I can go on Lake Murray and we can catch stripers. That's pretty easy to go catch stripers. But fly fishing is, is there's an art to it, right? And there's a technique to it. And so 
when I got into fly fishing, I wanted to master it, right? I thought, I can do this piece of cake, right? And then I started trying to throw that fly rod and, you know, learning that you don't use your wrist, you got to use your elbow and you got to use your right hip and you got to do this. And so I'm out there fly fishing with a couple young guys uh, uh, who are guides and they were doing things like bow fishing, right? They were taking their fly rod and going, pulling it back and putting it under rocks. I'm going like, I ain't got a clue how to do that stuff, you know? I got a long way to go to be a fly fisherman, but I did catch a few of these uh, with their help, and uh, a beautiful time catching uh, rainbow trout. You see the net under the fish because I don't know how to hold it, and so it's going to fly away. They want to make sure, you know, Kodak moment, right? If you drop the fish, it's okay. We're going to catch it again. But, uh, but th- these guys were amazing, and they had, they had almost mastered uh, the art of fishing. I fell five times in the river that day, right? Fell five times, got soaking wet, uh, and they're just bouncing around like this piece of cake, you know? And, and I know I got a long way to go to become a great fly fisherman. It's what Billy Graham said when he said this, becoming a Christian is the work of a moment. Being a Christian is the work of a lifetime. It takes a long time to become who God wants us to be. Now, I want to read you another account of this uh, experience of, of Simon with Jesus. And it comes from Luke's gospel. And it's a little longer account. And I think there's some nuances we want to pick up on. So one day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at their water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, he asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now, Jesus is a rabbi, right? He, he, he's he's, he's a, a great teacher. What does he know about fishing, right? And Peter responds, Master, you know, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were so also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. For now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and follow Jesus. Now, some biblical scholars believe that this is a second calling for Peter, that Matthew records the first time that Jesus saw them walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And if you look at the end of the the text there in, in Matthew, it says they left their nets and followed Jesus. Here, after this incredible miracle, it says they left everything and followed Jesus. They got real serious about the call because of this incredible miracle that happened. Now, one thing I picked up on, I thought it's pretty cool, is before Jesus used Simon, he used his boat. Before he used Peter, he used Peter's boat. He says, let me, let me borrow your boat. Now, I believe there are a lot of times that God is at work in our lives long before we know that God is at work in our lives. I love what Carolyn Moore said, who is the president of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. She said this, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. 
God is doing all this stuff in your life, but you may only be aware of three of them. It's a great line, isn't it? What are the other 9,997 things that God is doing in your life that you're not aware of? Peter was not aware of what was getting ready to happen. He let him use his boat, and by letting him use his boat, it changed his whole world. What movement, what ministry is God wanting to start in you? He's already laying the groundwork. He's already laying the framework, and he's getting ready to to, to call you into something you never have done before. Who is he preparing right now for you to talk to Jesus about? There's somebody that he's preparing for you to pick up the phone, to see somebody at the grocery store. He's got everything ready. He's at work and he's waiting for you to answer the call, just like he called Simon. Now, as I said, transformation was incremental right? I I love in John's gospel, whenever John records the calling of Peter, it says that Jesus gave him the name Cephas. Now, if you know anything about Cephas in Greek, which, or Aramaic actually, which I had to dig into that a little bit, but Cephas in the Aramaic means rock. That, that, That Jesus calls Peter the rock. And that's what Peter means in the Greek. And, and he gave him this nickname, long before Peter ever showed rock-like qualities, right? I mean, Peter was probably the most colorful, outspoken human of all the disciples that Jesus called. He was unstable. He was unreliable. He had underlying insecurities. You remember when Jesus wanted to wash Peter's feet? Peter said, no, 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 Lord, I'm not worthy of you to wash my feet. And Jesus says to Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet... You can't be a part of me. And what does Peter say? Well, wash my whole body. You know, I mean, you know, just, just, you know, give me the whole bath, right? And then a little bit later, whenever Jesus is arrested, what does Peter do? He pulls out a sword and cuts off a soldier's ear. And then a few hours later, when they come to arrest Jesus, Peter loses all of his courage and denies three times that he ever knew Jesus. And yet, why? does Jesus call this unstable person the rock? Let me tell you why. Because when Jesus calls you, he makes you what you're not. He takes you and transforms you into somebody that he can use. He knew what Peter was going to become. If you know the New Testament, you'll know that Peter became one of the greatest followers of Jesus. And and in his first sermon, he caught 3,000 people for God. In his second sermon, he caught 5,000 people for God as recorded in the book of Acts. It was not immediate. It was not overnight, but it was incremental and it was eternal. I love this quote from Craig Groeschel because it captures Peter. Failure is not an option, but sometimes it's a necessity. You know, one of the things that happens when we follow Jesus is we, we fail. I think this second calling here in Luke's gospel is an example that Peter probably failed. He probably went back to fishing. It wasn't working for him. But failure should be our teacher, not our undertaker. Failure is a delay, but not a defeat. It may be a temporary detour, but it's not a dead end. You know, the famous inventor Thomas Edison had 10,000 failures trying to invent the light bulb. And he, had he not kept going, 
I wouldn't be blinded right now by these lights, right? I can't see you because of Thomas Edison and his ability to make a really good light bulb, right? And what Thomas Edison says, I haven't failed. I have found 10,000 ways that don't work. And I got to keep pushing because I'm going to find the one that does work. You're never a failure until you quit. You're never a failure until you quit. Failure is not in trying. Failure is failing to try. And God is calling all of us to follow him. I love this statement. If we never risk failing, all we really do is fail to really live. If we never risk failing, all we really do is fail to really live. I can tell you as a pastor, there have been times in my ministry and our ministry here that we tried stuff and it just didn't work, right? Pastor Faye's famous uh, motion is this right here. <laughs> it just didn't work, right? It just didn't go, you know? But we didn't stop, right? And we don't stop. We keep trying and we keep working to do the very best for God that we can do. And I want to give you a few tips this morning on your road trip with Jesus. If you say yes to Jesus, if you say yes to his call, and he's calling every single one of you listening today, and here's a few road tips, some few tips for your road trip, right? Number one is Jesus invites people into his purpose. Jesus wants to use people. He, God uses people for his purpose. And, and, and you're people, right? So that means he wants to use you for his purpose. You know, Jesus could have rowed the boat out. He could have rowed the boat out into deep water. He says, watch this, guys. Let me, let me show you what I can do. He could have cast the nets out himself and, and pulled him in. He could, he could have shocked the water, right? And the fish could have just floated up, right? He could have said, give me some lightning up there, Lord. And just could have, you know, he could have done all that, right? But he chose to use people. And God chooses to use people like you and like me to do his work. He says, you will catch people. You don't have to hunt people. You just take the authority of God that he's given you and go catch people, right? Go open your mouth. Go do an act of kindness. Go demonstrate God's love. God wants to use your gifts. He wants to use your influence. He wants to use your generosity to do something incredible, right? One of our, one of our core values at Mount Horeb is we're better together. We're better together. Jesus invites people into his purpose. Secondly, the second tip is this. Jesus uses the simple to do the spectacular. I say all the time that ministry is not rocket science. It is just being faithful in the little things. People that are faithful in little things, God will take little things and make them great things. God uses the simple to do the spectacular. Boats, nets, fish. In the Old Testament, God demonstrated to Pharaoh and to the people of Israel that he was the Lord of flies. He was the Lord of frogs. He was the Lord of the Nile River. And here Jesus is showing that he is the Lord of fish. He is the Lord of the sea. It is the simple that he uses to do the spectacular. God wants to use your gifts, your influence, and your generosity to do spectacular things, things that you've not even thought of. God wants to use you. Last week, I was reading the news, and I saw where Harvest Hope announced that the Hudson Automotive Group had donated their ninth million meal, ninth million meal to alleviate hunger in the Midlands. For 10 years, a portion of every car sold would go to a meal 
to alleviate hunger. Nine million meals. Something simple that became something spectacular. Will you allow God to surprise you with the spectacular? That God loves to use signs and wonders. He doesn't call the equipped. He he equips the called, right? God will give you everything you need to do something spectacular for his glory. And, And the third tip for your road trip is Jesus uses risk to reveal reward. Jesus took Simon out into uncharted waters. Simon thought he knew where to fish, but Jesus said, let me show you where to fish. You know, if I ever write a book and I got to get busy if I'm going to do it, I've said this before, I think, in here, but if you don't step out, you won't find out. Is Is the key to following Jesus. Is God calling you to launch into the deep? To launch out? Now, there's a risk and there's a reward to follow Jesus. And I want to remind you, church, as you hear the Lord calling you today, Jesus calling you, no matter if you're young or you're old, in between, we follow a persecuted Jesus. And Jesus said, if you follow me, you will be persecuted. So there's going to be a risk associated with following Jesus. It's not always going to be the most popular thing in a crazy council culture that we live in. But I'm telling you, the reward of following Jesus is incredible. To see what God will do with your life and what God will do through you to help people find happiness and health and wholeness and peace and purpose is incredible. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 10, if you cling to your life, if you hold on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will save it. You want to find life? Take a risk. Step out and follow Jesus Christ. You know, following the conversation with a rich young ruler who asked, what do I have to do to follow you? Jesus laid it out for him that he had to let go of everything. And the young ruler went away sad. And Peter said, following that conversation, and Peter said, we have left our homes and followed you. Yes, Jesus replied, and everyone who has done as you have, leaving home, wife, brothers, parents, children, for the sake of the kingdom of God, will be repaid many times over, as well as receiving eternal life in the world to come. This morning, is your faith too cautious? Is your faith too careful? You're afraid to step out and trust God to do something that you thought you could never do? Is your faith, has your faith grown calloused? Have, have you gotten disenfranchised? I would just challenge you to follow Jesus. He will take you into water you've never been before. Will you have confident faith that God can do in your life what you can't do yourself? What is Jesus calling you to leave behind today? You know, again, they left everything. Will will you leave your pride? Sometimes it is our pride that keeps us from following Jesus. Or what will people think? Or what will people say? Will you leave your pride in the hands of the one who humbles the proud and lifts up the humble? Will you leave your hurts with the one who invites us to cast all of our hurt on him and God will use your hurt to help the hurting? Will you leave your fears in the hands of the one who holds the whole world in his hands? Will you leave your finances in the hands of the one who owns everything anyway? Will you leave your future 
into the hands of the one who holds your future? Will you step out and say yes to Jesus? Now, here's the fourth tip for your road trip with Jesus. Jesus calls some to change their profession because all of us to change priorities. Now, Jesus only called 12 disciples to leave their profession. There was a whole multitude of people following Jesus, but only 12, as far as we know, left their profession to follow Jesus. But all those who followed Jesus, he asked them to change their priorities. He asked them to make him the Lord of their lives. So I want to say to all of you today who Jesus is not calling to leave your profession Will you take what is secular in your life and make it sacred? Will you take what God has given you and where God has gifted you and take what is secular in a business world and in corporate America as a builder, as a physician, as a real estate agent, wherever it is that God has you, a teacher, an administrator, and say, God, you put me in this place and I want to take what you have given me and make it sacred. I want to make you the Lord of everything in my life. We may never be called to leave everything to follow Jesus, but we're called to make everything available to Jesus. Amen. Amen. We may never leave everything to follow Jesus, but we're called to make everything available to him. Now this morning, I want to take just a moment and honor those who have chosen to answer God's call. You know, this church, we could not do what we do without incredible volunteers, incredible servants who said yes to Jesus. You know, Emma mentioned that there's going to be a volunteer bash on August the 11th, a small way for us to say thank you for all the volunteers in our church that serve the Lord in amazing ways. I want to give a shout out to all the amazing, generous givers who choose to invest in God's work through Mount Horeb and throughout the world. I want to give a shout out to all those who answer Jesus' call and sponsor now over 700 children through Compassion International, changing the lives of 700 children from around the world. I want to give a shout out to some of you who serve in amazing ministries across the Midlands as a volunteer serving. I want to say thank you to our amazing staff, many who answered the call from a, from a secular world to come and serve in a sacred world. I never forget when I got the call uh, from our district superintendent about Pastor Faye coming on our team. And if you've been here for a while, you know Pastor Faye was over congregational care. and Over 11 years, she did an incredible job. But when I got the call, my district superintendent said, hey, this woman here has been in corporate America for 30 years. And and she's answered a call to ministry. And we think she'd be a good fit at Mount Horb. I'm thinking, I'm thinking somebody younger, you know. Maybe somebody with some experience, you know. We get a big job here at Mount Horeb. You know, we need somebody with some, some ministry experience. He said, well, just meet her. And so I met with Pastor Faye and didn't take me long for the Lord to slap me a couple times and go, you silly boy. This, this lady here will work circles around you. And she has. How about I give a shout out to Pastor Faye? She's still around here. Amazing. I can't keep up with her, right? But I, but I love when God takes people with, with, with a secular background and they, they commit their, that secular background to something sacred and holy. 
And God uses it in powerful ways. And we've got several people in our staff who, who, who grew up in a, in a secular world, whether it's banking or, or whether it's uh, HR or whatever it is. And, and they've, they, you know, air conditioning, right? And one of our most gifted singers up here. Uh, just amazing how people have taken what God has given them and used it and made it sacred. Now, I want you to know this morning that Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And that God is calling everyone listening to my voice today to serve him, to take what is sacred and secular in your life and make it sacred. God is calling every single one of you to be generous. God is calling some of you to change your profession and serve him in Christian ministry. And I believe that God is calling someone here today to become a pastor, to be like Bryce and say, you know, I want to, God, I want to follow you and go to seminary and become a pastor. And God's going to give you a vision for where he's going to lead you. And God's going to use you in a mighty way. There's somebody listening today that says, you know, I need to, I need to be like Pastor Faye. I've been in, been in the corporate world for a long time, but God, you've been calling me. You've been speaking at me. And I, I want to say yes today. Maybe it's become a missionary. Maybe it's become a counselor. But God wants to use you. Now again, God doesn't call everyone to leave their profession because everyone to change their priority. We'll leave you this tip for your road trip. Leave everything in God's hand and eventually you'll see God in everything. You want to see God in everything? Leave everything to God. Give God everything. In 2005, we invited Dr. Eddie Fox to Mount Hoare to preach a revival. Dr. Eddie Fox came to Mount Horeb to preach, and the church has never been the same. In 2005, uh, we were in the middle of a decision whether or not we should buy additional land to grow the ministry. And Dr. Fox was staying with a friend of the church. He was the chair of our finance committee. He was a man that had been converted out of a, a lifestyle that was not at all holy. He answered God's call. And so we, we put Eddie with him, right? Jim Watkins. Some of you know Jim. And so Jim and Eddie are sitting around the pool. And, and Jim says to Eddie, you know, some people say, Eddie, that our church is getting too big. It's just it's getting too big. What do you think about that? Eddie Fox, the wise pastor he was, says, well, Jim, if your church is not too big, if there's one person within driving distance of your church that's unchurched, if, if there's one person within driving distance of your church that doesn't know Jesus, your church is not too big yet. Well, Jim took that word and spread the word to other leaders. And within a couple of weeks, we had bought 54 acres of land. And this building you're in today is on that land that God called us to step out and do something we never thought we could do, right? God is calling you to step out as well. Well, Dr. Fox made an impact here at Mount Horeb. He served a quarter of a century as the executive director of the World Methodist Evangelism, traveled the world sharing the gospel with millions of people. He was nine years old when he committed his life to Christ. By the age of 17, he would answer Jesus' call to preach. He grew up in a small town in Tennessee. He had never seen an ocean, but God called him to travel 
across the ocean to fish for millions of people. And one of my greatest blessings in ministry was to go to Cuba with Dr. Fox. And there in Cuba, we saw hundreds of people except Jesus. We did the first outdoor baptism since the revolution in 1956. And we had 300 people get baptized in little swimming pools. It changed my life. Dr. Fox changed the direction of our church. And this week, Dr. Fox went home to be with the Lord at the age of 83. And I know when he stepped into eternity, he heard these words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You answered my call when you were nine years old. And God, and I used you to reach millions. A simple man who did spectacular things. I don't know what God's calling you to do. I'm not sure where God is going to call you to go. But I know he's calling you. He's inviting you to go and fish for people. To go and build a foundation for people's life. To go and heal broken hearts. To meet the needs of hungry people. I want to pray for you right now as we prepare to sing a song. A song that says, come to the altar. See, I believe that Simon made his boat an altar. He got down on his knees and says, Lord, I'm unworthy. I'm a sinner. Today, somebody needs to get down on their knees and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm unworthy. But I want to go. I want to be a part of your mission. Will you make that response today as we sing in a moment? Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you that you're calling us today. You're calling us to, 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 to step out to say yes, to serve, to volunteer, to get involved in a ministry in the community, to volunteer to build a Habitat house, to go talk to somebody who lives across the street. Lord God, I don't know what you want us to do, but I know you want us to do something for you. And Lord God, for that person today who has never said yes to you at all. I pray that they would say yes to you today, that you're calling them to give you their hearts. So Lord God, do what only you can do as we come to the altar, as you kneel down before you, whether it's at our seat or whether it's down in front of this auditorium. Help us to come to you today and may you change our lives and change our future. On this day, on this day, my life was changed. And I ask all this in Jesus' name.